ladies and gentlemen, and our friends beyond the binary, it is time to put your ears together for Indie A. Looking at you, Patreons. Isn't it about time we were more inclusive? One, I see creative people. If you write it, listeners will come. Plugins. Where we're going, we don't need plugins. One day to me, we have a problem. Hello, how are you? And welcome to another Indie AF Chatterama with me, Sarah Golding. Hello. And one of the most humble yet influential creatives in the audio fiction space of the last years. <laughs> yes, it's Mr. Paul Bay of Black Tapes and Big Loop and Marvel and more. Woohoo! Enjoy. Hey, people in the big loop of what's what and who's who in audio fiction, I just know you're going to diggity dig and lovely love my grooviest guest of today. Yes, I did say lovety love what's it to you. I want you to marvel and weep at the joyous recordings this pioneer fellow is responsible for, for much audio joy and despair recorded on, I think, maybe black tape, I'm not sure of the colour. And it doesn't suck, sir. This podcast, writer, producer, director and maker of many things, a brilliant light of positivity in a crazy world that just needs to be more... Canadian, Korean, eh? Who is responsible for a show that set many on the path to the journalistic tape trope of audio fiction that set the tone for audio monologue and who is one of the very definitions of someone who made it big from creating an audio drama with a pal for the love of storytelling of black tapes and big loop and more is the legendary Paul Bay! Hooray! <laughs> Hello! Yeah, <what> <laughs> I feel like I need to walk through curtains for Please that introduction. Please do. And there's, an there's glitter and cannons and uh, fireworks in the background. It's uh, very exciting to speak to you, sir. And I hope I hope your world is good. I mean, firstly, may I ask, what have you been up to? Because we haven't seen you front and centre for podcasting for a little while. So I know you've got lots of irons and lots of fires. I wonder if you can share any exciting adventures that you've been having of late. Yeah, I've been in deep in development on two new TV series. Um, one of them is public. Uh, 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 the Amazon bought my uh, Shoot the Moon series. That is so exciting. The pilot, uh, they're paying me to write the pilot uh, starring Ken Jeong, yeah. produced by Daniel Day Kim. I'm, wow. trying to, I'm trying to twist Daniel's arm <laughs> to star in it as well, but he's a very, very busy guy. I think he just wants to stick on the producing side on this, but we'll see. Uh, I, I, I can be quite uh, persuasive uh, using my... <laughs> My my uh, puppy charm. <laughs> it works on it works on my dogs. It works on other Koreans. Um, so I got that, uh, and I have another secret project. I can't talk about it, but it's one of my favorite networks. Um, it started as a podcast that I was pitching to buyers, and uh, it's a horror, a historical horror. And while the deal was being made with this podcast studio, uh, this network that I love uh, heard about it through my agent and jumped in and took it off the table. And now, so I'm developing that. Oh. Uh, horror series for them. How uh, I'm doing this at the same time. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, you know, n- never one to just sit down and do nothing for a while. You're doing several million things at once. How glorious. Yeah. And uh, what kind of things have made you the happiest, can you say, since you started on your audio fiction kind of journey? What kind of things do you look on right now and think, yeah, those were crazy times, but good times? Tell us where your solace lies. Uh, the solace is really in the journey for me. I think I'm I'm old enough to know to like enjoy. I I I set realistic goals mm-hmm. uh, that have a side of dreamy to them. So the goal <laughs> was to turn with the black tapes. That the goal uh, we, we Terry and I Terry Miles, my partner mm. on the black tapes. We've talked quite openly about how 
we made the black tapes because our screenplay of our horror called The Black Tape, uh, which was about Dr. Strand, a ghost hunter who doesn't believe in ghosts, uh-huh. his agent would not move it forward. Um, uh, so there was very... People just ignored that script, uh, as is the case with many scripts. Okay. And after about three years with, with Terry bugging me to make a <laughs> podcast with him, and I didn't want to be two guys with our hot takes on politics. Um, <laughs> out of frustration, on the heels of, of the success of Serial, out of frustration when he was visiting one, one day, I just said, too bad we can't turn the black tape into a podcast. Mm. And Terry being a director of oh. indie films and doing everything on his own, his eyes lit up and he said, why the hell not? And I'm like, what do you mean? Just pre- just record it? He goes, yeah, <laughs> that's what yeah. I'm doing. That's what I'm exactly what I mean. And he had to teach me how to do this. And it, it, was, it was really Terry teaching me how to what what this means. And, and then, you know, him getting his uh, he's got quite a lot of actor friends and, and people in the community. And, and Terry's an audio whiz. Yeah. And so, you know, he said, let's just take all these ideas and dramatize it and uh, pretend it's real. And as far as sort of adapting that work for audio, uh, challenge-wise, you know, that's a lot a lot of what people are doing right now, especially uh, with the whole pandemic madness and people looking for things that are a little easier, perhaps, to access creatively. Any tips for folks to kind of go that journey themselves at all? Yeah, I've had so many people contact me. Um, I, I try to be uh, accessible to people when they need help uh, mm-hmm. at a certain stage, and mostly that stage is how to get it from... Uh, if you have an audio drama series and you don't know how to take it to TV, but you've been contacted by TV people, uh, I'm mm-hmm. the one people contact because uh, I don't think there's, too, I think there's a limited number of us who've been able to make that leap. Um, yeah, and, and, and it's a very specialized so knowledge that I've got from just an accidental experience. And so I, mm-hmm. I, I want to share that with people uh, so that they, they don't make the mistakes I did. Uh, I've been lucky, very lucky in that point. So uh, my, my main thing to people whenever they reach out to me, because they're often TV people, I tell them hire indie audio people, audio drama people Yay. who know how to write for it, uh, who know this. It's very specific. You can't just take a TV writing and, and make make audio. It doesn't work that way. Absolutely. Mm. Terry and I got very lucky with the black tapes because there wasn't that much competition at the time in 2014 when we started writing it. Sure. It's a different landscape. Isn't it's a it? different landscape. Yeah. I always tell people they're like, what's the secret? I'm like, there is no secret. We're just early. Um, <laughs> it's just, if the black tapes came out today we'd be struggling because uh, there's so much, so many strong shows out there. And yeah. I know that's true. And I think um, if more people admitted that, it would help other indie audio people coming in uh, who are, there's so many talented ones out there yeah. making great stuff that's not getting the proper attention. Mm. Maybe I shouldn't say proper attention, not getting the attention that I think they deserve. I agree uh, with you. And right? I do my very best to, to like shine lights here and there whenever I think I love something. And it's just my opinion, right? And But there are other people who, who do agree with me sometimes. And I just think, there is, like you say, there are so many people working so hard to create these wonderful stories for audio specifically that, yeah, we need more people to be shouting and megaphones and, uh, I don't know, ex- big explosions in the sky of letterings and big things behind planes or something to make to make folks find them i mean that whole discoverability thing is a chat folks can have round and round in circles for a long time right yes and, and you've uh, been you're one of the you're, you've been one of the loudest most encouraging voices in the audio tra- in the audio drama community uh you shouted out everything i've made uh i've noticed that so when you've reached out to me to to be a guest on your show i was i was elated that uh, maybe we could i could help in in the sharing of of uh, resources or or insight or whatever to help the indie auto drama writers and producers, you know, make get to the ne- like try to turn this into a living. <laughs> that, yeah, that'd be the dream brilliant. for everybody. No, thank you, huge thank yous. Yeah, and I I love I love creative people. You know, I think there is again just a a home for everybody in the, the audio drama world and um, and. 
I think, yes, it's become a flooded market, but that's no excuse not to keep listening. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) So, yeah, so we're going to look today at just how the big loop itself, actually, is uh, when we're focusing on rather than the black tapes, because I think that's had quite a lot of press in the past. And I want to focus on on the style as well of big loop, too, because it's one thing that I really have very much enjoyed listening to and also the connectivity. And so the whole point of the podcast season this time is to look at how things generally Terminated from just a single idea into full writing, production and beyond. So where did the idea for Big Leap come from, from your perspective? So on the heels of the success of the Black Tapes, uh, Terry and I, Terry was able to launch a bunch of different shows that he's always wanted to write. Uh, Tannis, mm. Rabbits, uh, The Last Movie. He had so many ideas. And while he was making those, he kept pushing me, urging me as a friend to, to make my own. And I didn't know what to write. I had all these ideas. He knew I was an idea generator. Uh, which is why he first approached mm-hmm. me in the first place to write the black tape uh, based on uh, an idea mm-hmm. I had uh, while I was teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I didn't have the, I, the, the fire wasn't lit under me to do something non-black tapes at the time. Right. Uh, but then finally, when I looked at my list of, I, I keep a list of story ideas and I had ended up with over 70 ideas <laughs> and I was, I was watching Black Mirror and I thought, you know, I should, I should, I should consider an anthology. I don't, it doesn't have to be a serialized thing. Uh-huh. And that's how it started. And then I, um, just as the black tapes, we, you know, the idea was to mimic serial in tone right. so that mm-hmm. it'd be easier for people to listen to it. Uh, because we, just from talking to friends, like no one listened to audio drama uh, mm-hmm. in 2014 and right. uh, out of my friends. And I thought, you know, and, and it's, it, it'd, be, it'd be very hard for North Americans because when I looked at the BBC site, there was a ton of audio drama, but uh-huh. nothing in North America. So we thought, well, we're going to have to educate the audience. Uh, we're going to have to find a way to not educate. That sounds condescending, but you know what I mean? Uh, uh, Bring train them into the, the ear. fold. Yeah, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. Like how yeah. to invite them in. Yeah. It, using a format they already know. Serial, that type of uh, This American Lifestyle was very familiar with North American audiences. Yes. So that's the style we mimic for the black tape. So for Big Loop, I mimicked more um, uh, modern love. Uh, that style mm-hmm. of one person reading. Uh, I found it very hypnotic. And yeah. it's a way to, um, the whole theme of Big Loop really is to is to uh, increase empathy. Right. Um, so mm-hmm. I thought, well, I'm going to do single narrator for this one then yeah. um, and just hire the best actors that I know or can access. And with that, if I can get one actor, usually one actor, to tell a story and captivate you for 45 minutes, um, that will be a beautiful experience uh, for the yes. listener and for me in, in producing it yeah. and for the writer in performing it. So I've been very lucky in that having these actors come in and just be like this just this vessel, this beautiful vessel to deliver these stories uh, that really you can't, I can't imagine doing them for TV. Um, right. A lot of them. without Quite fantastical, yeah, aren't they? Yeah, yeah without yeah. saying too much, the big loop <laughs> did get a TV deal, uh, mm-hmm. but I can't say which episode or I can't say too much about it. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a challenge that I loved, uh, turning these into stories where it goes in one ear and just germinates in people's heads in, in different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and where did those source stories come from? Because they're for folks from all over different cultures and beginnings and uh, ages and perspectives. So how did you yourself collate that anthology together? What what were your inspiration? Um, I'll I'll use uh, uh, All God's Children as an example of one where I I just, Mm. as a former evangelical Christian youth pastor who'd become Mm. atheist, and I became quite an angry atheist for a while, Okay. And I, then I, I, I've reached that I, I, a while ago. I reached this very um, more more open, <laughs> generous interpretation of of my former faith. 
Mm-hmm. And but I, I still felt guilty towards all my Christian friends who I probably who, who I know for a fact I gave headaches to. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 was, I was tormenting them. I was I was not a pleasant mm-hmm. person to be around if you were one of my former Christian friends trying to convert me back to the faith. Um, okay. I, I was very uncharitable, mm-hmm. and so I, I wanted a way to make that was a big theme for me. And I, I just write whatever theme moves me. Mm-hmm. And that's something I, I thought, well, I, how do I do this? And I found a, a story stem out of my list that said a boy born only as a head. <sighs> and I thought, oh, that's interesting. How do I do this? And then I, some, someone was adapting one of the Cthulhu stories from film. I think it was uh, Del Toro. I'm not sure who it was. Anyways, the Cthulhu was in my, in my head. And I thought, oh, that's a, that'd be interesting if this boy turned into a Cthulhu on his own. Mm-hmm. And his father was a Christian uh, who, who stays with his faith but doesn't realize that he's actually interpreting his faith that like he's creating his own God. Mm-hmm. He's only, he's creating his own meaning without knowing it. And it gives his life meaning. Right. So I thought, I thought, oh, okay, this is a, this is a way to do it. So it's all, often a combination of a theme I want to talk about with a story that I see on my list. Right. Brilliant. <laughs> and, and how long did it take you to collate those stories? Uh, Cause they, they've been coming out since what, 2017. And yes. there's been two seasons so far. I don't know if you're doing any more. But, but yeah, yeah, it's sort of um, gently still coming out um, at the point. So yeah, how, how did you write the first season, for example? The first season was actually quite quick. I, 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 th- I think I wrote each script in two days. Um, oh, and, wow. and then I, you know, I just did a quick grammar pass and, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, and mm-hmm. then when I found the actor, uh, I would often change the script because <laughs> so, so oh, I, okay. I would listen to everything. Like I didn't do auditions. I would just li- find an actor that I, you know, I'd heard about. Maybe you shouted them out. <laughs> I'd find them right. online and then right. listen to, I'd listen to everything that they'd done. And mm-hmm. I thought uh, and I, that that was the longest process trying to find the actors. And what, for example, Brigham Snow, when I, you know, his, oh, his, his, his portrayal of Caleb. Um, mm. In one episode, I, I don't remember which episode, it brought me to my knees uh, while I was yeah. listening, while I was hiking on a trail with my dogs. Uh, and I yep, thought, yep. that's the voice for this story that I want to tell. Mm. Then I asked mm. him, can I, I don't have the script yet, but can I write a story around your voice? And he said, yes. So I wrote Goodbye, Mr. <laughs> Adams. And I said, can you read? In my mind, it'll be easy for the actor if I, if they see something and they say, this is me. This is a part of me. Wow. I could say this very easily. Wow. Um, so that's how I approached that's, casting. Yeah. That's um, so exciting, right, for an act. I mean, you know, that's quite, a, as a voice actor, that's what you kind of dream of, isn't it? That, yeah. <laughs> that and kind I, of event. So that's very exciting. Yeah, yeah. and I'd often, uh, half of them I don't even direct. Um, I think uh, mm. Lauren Shippen directed uh, uh, the, the one you, um, oh, uh, Julie yes. Morizawa, but the, everyone else, uh, yeah. Brig and I directed, but, you know, I, I use the word directing loosely. All I did was hold a microphone up to his face. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, it's, 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 and all of these actors did it in one or two takes. Um, and I, and I don't do any direction. I just stay out of the way. And my, my my thought with the big loop was, you know, this is not a big moneymaker. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm creating IP so that hopefully the the goal is that, you know, movie companies come in and they say, can I turn, I don't know, the fugue into a movie? And I go, yeah, go ahead. And then, you know, I I could sell IP (laughs) that way and finance it and that kind of thing, get financing Mm -hmm. for it that way. Um, but I didn't want to, as a former actor, I hated the audition process. I hated going in, the, the feeling of rejection. Oh, um, yeah. As a writer, the feeling of rejection is awful. But as an actor, acting is so much worse for me because it's humiliating uh, to me. And I never right. shook that feeling. And I thought I never want to put an actor through that, if, I, if possible. Right. Uh, I, I, if I get to TV, then I'll have to put them through it. Uh, <laughs> but but uh, with, with something that I control 
everything top to bottom. I can control the process. Mm -hmm. If they're not right for the part, it's on me. It's my fault. And I'll just put the episode out. Thankfully, everything's worked out so far. It's been amazing. Uh, Yes. I mean, I, I just say, can you record it on your own? And they do it. And, you know, yeah. The only one that's been a challenge was surfacing because... Mm. Uh, she had to imagine talking to somebody, signing her the story. Yes, I love that and, reveal as well. Yes, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, mm, mm. yeah. Mayumi was uh, she, uh, she was she was fantastic. Mm. She's um yeah. I, I I can't say enough about uh what what she's done for that. Mm-hmm. And and with regards to the actual recording process, were you in the same space? Was this in a studio? Was this done remotely over headphones? How how did you work uh, across the seasons? Some of the episodes they record on their own. For example, uh, FML, uh, Dave Rudden was in Ireland. Uh-huh. Uh, so he had to uh, uh, um, record on his own mm. um, and then send it to me. And I recorded The Assassin, uh, uh, Lee Shorten. Where was it? At, at the public library. Our Vancouver Public Library has podcast studios for the public. Oh, wow. It's for free. Hooray for Vancouver. Uh, <laughs> I know. It's, it's fantastic. I love it. Um, That's what we get for having a drama teacher as your head of Exactly. Whatever. <laughs> um, uh, things like uh, the studio. Uh, uh, I, I, my wife built me a podcast studio <gasps> in our house. Wow. Uh, so I recorded the actress, uh, Tara, uh, downstairs here. Um, so it's all over. It's, and then, you know, some of them, they uh, like like I said, uh, you, they recorded in L.A. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's all it's all over the map. It's it's, uh, it's I just I just trust that I it's all in the trusting of the casting mm. and trusting that they can say my words. See, there's a lot uh, in that you say that, but then actually, you know, the heart of it is the good, brilliant writing, isn't it? To be honest, I got to say because you're not going to, so I'm going to. So yeah, it is that the heart of everything, I think. And you know, for those actors to then be able to run with it and embellish it and play and to have the results that you've got from the big loop it's just fantastic to listen to so if you have not found it yet folks you have got a big treat in store and uh, I think it's a form of podcasting that I still love I've done every year I've released some monologues in some format Uh, we did the moonologues to celebrate the moon landings the chorologues to not celebrate but be in the midst of the quarantine and monologues of that and this year I'm just doing a showcase for my quirky students who are on my last voice acting course and we're releasing some things so they can show off how amazing they are and hopefully cast from them too which would be awesome but yeah I, I have a love for monologues I I as a job uh, my teacher side which I know you've got uh, in your your back pocket too um, I work with kids to uh, perform monologues and uh, they are some of the best hours of my life I've spent just delving into and finding out you know who is this character what are they doing how are they doing it and to convey that through sound alone as well I think is also a massive challenge and I mean how do you feel about creating these worlds what do you do as that creative to make them as real as possible in that intimate listener's ear well the the story has to be compelling first so there's that outline a rough draft uh, that I do in like one or two days, but then one, it's it's all in the casting. Once I got, cast the person, yeah. I could I write to that voice, and I could I could really hear the, the rhythm mm. of of how I think they're gonna do this one. Right. Um, the only one that I didn't do that for was Wide Awake, okay, uh, with Nate Dufort, mm. uh, who who's who's only done comedy up to that point. <laughs> but for some reason, when I heard his comedic oh. thing, I thought I bet you he could pull off this dark side. Like mm. as a former comedian, I know. All of us have a dark side we can access. Yes, we do. Yeah. yeah. So I asked Nate, "Could you could you try this?" Yeah. And he knocked it out of the park. And Excellent. he was like, "How do you know I could do this?" I'm like, "I, I just something in your voice, something in your the way you act. Uh, first of all, they have to be a great actor, uh, which Nate is. Uh, and it's just a matter of accessing his darker side and getting into it. And he he just destroyed me 
when he sent me those, you know, he asked each, each actor, send me two takes. Yeah. Right. Uh, do it. Do whatever you want. Uh, go, go by the words on the first one. The second one, do whatever you want. Um, and he just brought me to tears on his performance because just the joy of, you know, it's always it's always a thrill. I'm like, thank God I bet right. <laughs> on this actor because there's no way if it, if it sucked I wouldn't take it away from him I would just put it sure. out that way unless yeah, yeah, they yeah. unless they were embarrassed by it um, <laughs> you know uh, which we've never caught to but I would I would, I, I just don't want to put an actor through that putting all that work into it yeah. getting paid for this thing they think it's going to come out and then not having someone else come in I, I just can't I'm not in this uh, big loop game to do that to somebody <laughs> just, I just can't <laughs> that would give me nightmares amazing and, and with regards to sort of the editing side of things what um, top tips have you got for folks doing this form of fiction for bringing that soundscape world to life? It's all in the music on this one. Uh, mm. For Big Loop, I, I had a lot of them, like um, Goodbye Mr. Adams, I had to get the song first or uh, All God's Children. That started with a song from the Swedish group Tuv, oh, wow. um, who reached out to me during our Black Tapes days when uh. they said, you know, we're fans of this, of your show. Can I send you an album, a vinyl? Wow. And he sent me a vinyl and I fell in love with it. You know, we get sent a lot of music, but this one was like, just knock, just knock me on my ass. Oh. And I was like, uh, years later, I was like, you know, could I use this one song, The River, uh, for a story? They go, what's the story? I go, I don't know yet, but it's about God. And they go, okay, go for it. Uh, and then uh, I just wrote that story so that whatever mood you're in at the end, uh, it would go right into that song. And that song would always complete the episode of The Big Loop. Like mm. it's design- every episode is designed for that song. Very yeah. specific song. I love um, that. It's a tonal piece and it just helps you sit in the moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, that's so, it, and for example, Daniel Birch helped me with um, the fugue. Uh-huh. Uh, Cause what, what happened in season one, I would just take all the, the, the free music that you see on free music archive when it used yeah. to be around. Mm. And my, my sound designer, Steve, it'd be a real challenge. Cause sometimes I'd have to rewrite the script to fit, fit the music. I go, I want this music, but I don't know. I don't know the musician. So we can't read, you can't ask them to redo it. I see. I see. To suit the script. So I'd have to rewrite the script. So it lands, one line would land so at this part of the music. Yeah. And I'm imagining whichever, whichever actor I get, they would have to say it this way. Wow. So I would have a list of music. Then the actor would record it. We'd get it back. I would edit it mm. before giving it to Steve. So I, so I, I could edit it, play the song and edit it in a certain way where it's like, t- grab the take that suits that song. Uh-huh. Uh, so that this crescendo of the song hits at this moment of, uh, for example, I, the Lord, uh, Haley Henninger had to say these lines in a certain way uh, and I had to trust she would deliver. I had to guess how she would deliver it so that it hits, it peaks at this moment of this song that we got for free. Mm. Uh, and the composer who we don't know, we credit them, but we don't, I can't ask them, can you redo this so that's only 10 seconds long? Okay. okay. Um, <laughs> so I'd have to write the lines for her. Yeah with the faith that she would say in a certain way to suit the song that I have. And I love that way of working. I know I've spoken to previous folks who've who've worked in a a similar fashion. So musicians of the world, if you absolutely worship and love specific writers of podcasters, why not send them some of your music? Might end up in uh, in groovy shows like Paul's. Uh (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like, like, uh, um, for example, uh, like uh, Daniel Birch. Mm -hmm. Uh, He he made the music, the whole thing, all the music specifically for the fugue. Yeah. it, it was it was fantastic. There's, there's other instances too. Uh, Lee Rosevier. Mm-hmm. Lee Rosevier made the music for FML specifically for FML. Right. Um. And and you know the, these guys are just incredible to work with. I love that. Um, and so yeah. okay, let's delve in there a little bit more, if I may. So you've got this uh, 
brilliant composer who you know and trust and love, what communication happens to make them get the shape of the, the music and the style and the beats and the timbres and all the other things to do with music that, that you kind of are aiming for? What communication happens? It's, it's always weird how I first contact them. Like Lee, he, Lee's got, I think, seven albums now of free podcast music wow. um, available online. Okay, I'll, uh, and I'll was, link those in the show notes, folks. <laughs> yeah, and he's from Vancouver, or well, he's moved since, but he was from Vancouver at the time, worked for the CBC, mm-hmm. uh, which is our BBC. And I, I just reached out to him uh, and then said, hey, do, do you mind if I use this song? He goes, oh yeah, it's available for free. And then he liked it so much, I, I said, you know, we were talking, we should work together one day. And I said, well, if you want to write something, you keep 100% of the proceeds mm-hmm. um, and I'll promote it for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we did that for FML. Brilliant. And then Daniel did the same thing for the Fugue when I used one of his free songs. Okay. Uh, I would reach out to him and say, "Hey, I'm, I know these are free, but can I? I just I'm, I want to personally ask you, can I use this one oh. for the end? Uh, and uh, give me your information so I can uh, shout you out." And uh, yeah, it's just you just find these great musicians who are just. It's like finding a great indie audio dramatists who aren't getting the attention that you think they should be getting. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and, and you work together to sort of like mutual benefit. Yeah. And they're always a delight to work with. Uh, uh, Daniel, like he, uh, he, I told him the story and he said, oh, so you want something atonal? I'm like, yes, please. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'd ask me how long do you want it? And I'd tell him this part has to be 15 seconds. This part has to be 25. And, right. Or not as uh, sometimes very specific, but generally you just give, give him a tone and he just runs with it. Great. And do you talk instruments? Do you talk vibes? What? No, because no. he... he they're, these musicians are way above my like what I'm able to understand. <laughs> like Daniel works with so many strange electronic boxes. Mm. Uh, he'd be talking. He might as well talk to a wall. <laughs> I don't understand what he's doing. I just know it's beautiful. Oh, it. <laughs> so uh, it's 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 his thing. So I'm like, yeah, whatever you're doing there, can you do more of it? Yeah. And so he's like, yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Well, I, I think it's about time we need to listen to some of your groovy work. So uh, you've very kindly provided us with a few clips. So the first is from Memory of a Dress, and uh, wow, there's something very fascinating about this. Do you want to explain uh, what? The, the extra exciting thing about uh, this little clip is... It was a surprise episode of The Big Loop uh, released in February during London Fashion Week, mm. um, uh, which is one of the major fashion shows in the world it is. Uh, annually. I haven't made it there yet. I know my, my fashion is unique. Yeah, yeah, they're not so. ready for me, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, neither am I. I've never been there. I don't think I'll ever be able to get there uh, in my sweatpants <laughs> collection. Um, Edeline Lee is a friend of mine from Vancouver who's, who's made it on the world stage as mm. a top designer. And she's a fan of the Big Loop, um, and so she asked me because we're, we're during COVID we're talking about how do you do runway shows, uh-huh. and she goes everyone's everyone's you know like Prada and everybody they're they're all, they're all clamoring for a new way to do it, mm-hmm. and then she came up with this idea because I I just threw out as a joke just like at the Black Tips I said why don't we turn this into a podcast, <laughs> uh, and I threw out as a joke too bad we can't do an audio drama as a runway show and she said what, <laughs> and then I repeated it I was laughing and then a month later she called me. You know, I know you were joking, but I think I want to be serious for a second. What would this look like? And then uh, she kept bugging me. Can we do this? And then she had all these resources. And I thought, okay, well, show me the dress. And she showed me the dress. And I'm like, and I've been a fan of her work since even before. uh, Apparently, I was one of the ones that talked her into fashion. I talked her out of law school to go into fashion. Uh, So so her parents hated me for a bit, but now they love me. (laughs) Um, Thank God it turned out. uh, I'm now now a favorite friend of her parents. Um, Good, good. But she 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 uh, she talked about that and then um, showed me the dress. I I I worked with one of her producers mm. um, to to shape the script according to their brand, which I've never done. Right. You know, for example, like I had a scene uh, that was a bit too grim, 
mm-hmm. uh, to, for 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 fashion. Okay. Um, they said we don't want to associate the you know, and I totally understand. It's it's it's, right. it's, a, it's a commercial show. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. So that was interesting. Anyways, it was the fir- world's apparently the world's first audio drama as a major runway show. I love uh, that. And I I'd always, I've always joked to my friends I would end up in Vogue one day, and uh, <laughs> I didn't mean as an audio drama, but I'll take it. <laughs> Well, let's, have, let's have a little listen to see this gloriousness in, in all its audio form. But memories are real, Georgia. Yeah, but the moment isn't. I mean, don't you see that? I mean, I can't... You keep calling these moments, but they're, they're memories of moments, Lynn. The actual moments are no longer there. They don't exist. You know, what you're showing me does not exist. Please look. Where did you get that? From your memories. No, but that's that's not real. She wasn't at my wedding. You have edited your memories to provide a more pleasing one. Don't do that. I did not create this. You did, Georgia. This is a common coping mechanism. To survive, you edit. You forget. You misremember. And you tell stories about these misremembered moments. Uh, but that's not real. You already said memories were not real. I didn't say they were not important. I mean, that's why I'm here. With you. Doing this. For Sarah. So that when you are no longer here, she can have these moments to tell herself stories about you. <laughs> Lynn, that's straight out of the advert. Forgive me, but it's true. It's just, I don't remember things as pictures. Not this way. I, I remember this as a feeling. Can you describe that feeling? No. No, Lynn, I can't because it's gone. Everyone you're showing me is gone. And so it's not real anymore. It's lost and this, this didn't didn't even happen even though everything in me wishes it was real. Does that make sense? It is a memory of a dress. Yeah. Yeah, it was her dress. It was the dress that Mum should have worn at my wedding. And I should have seen her having her hair done and being fussed over and telling me that I looked beautiful and calming my nerves and, you know, smiling at me as I came down the aisle and what did all those cliché wedding day moments. Laughing on the dance floor, slipping around on spilt champagne. I wanted those moments. Georgia... You had them. Will she see all of this? My daughter. Even the mixed up images. When she is granted access, she will have recourse to your entire memory bank, but only as much as you're willing to download here. Are you ready to continue? Yes. Thank you, Lynn. Very good. Please close your eyes as we continue. Please open your eyes. Well, 
Well, folks, I wholeheartedly do feel that the those voices that mix, uh, can, I can imagine it. Can you not just imagine this crazy, wonderful event happening? I mean, how, how did it actually work? Did you get video of it? Did you see it? <laughs> no, I, I just wrote the audio drama, the script. Mm. And then we had to go fishing around for, for talent. Okay. And sh- there's this uh, composer um, who, who uh, Edeline has worked with in all her um, you know, the big runway shows. Mm. And, and it just it just came out that way. Tom Burke was just this brilliant person to work with. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and Millie, who's the producer. And it just, it made it so easy for me. I'm so used to doing things on my own until I get to the sound part. And then it's with me right. and Steve, mm. uh, Steve Jin, my sound designer. But this was um, because I'm working on a, on a bigger stage, a uh, bigger world stage. They had all these professionals who, who are used to putting on big shows that are different shows twice a year. Right. And so they were just like, give us the script. I give them the script. They give me notes. It's very quick because uh, the, okay. the, the pace for fashion is a lot faster than audio drama. Okay. <laughs> it's quite, it quite, it quite quick, which is fine with me. Uh, I, I like working that quick. And then, um, yeah, they just turned it into magic. They, 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 they got this wonderful uh, actress, uh, Maureen O'Hagan. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and she just, she just broke me with her, with her um, uh, performance. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, it just... Uh, I, 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 I'm still speechless thinking about it uh, sometimes. I, I, I would love to have a video right. of that somewhere and just see how yeah. it worked, right? And and was there lots of parades of different fashion happening no, around no. some drama? Or was it just so, that was so played? So voiced the, uh, the, the computer, Lynn, um, and then this wonderful, yeah. wonderful actress, Lydia Leonard. Um, she played Georgia. And she, uh-huh. it's just the, the interplay of those voices. And then Tom and I sort of worked around, like not around it, just tried to find the music that would suit their interplay, uh, if that makes any sense at all. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right? And, okay, and, okay, yeah. Yeah, and, and Tom like uh, <laughs> it just touched Maureen's voice a little bit to make it a bit more computer-like. Um, and mm-hmm. it's just, yeah, it felt like the writing was the easy part, uh, to be honest. I, when I, and then when I handed it over to them, to, to they recorded it, they directed it. I, uh, I told, asked Tom and Millie, can you guys direct this? I, I can't fly to London during COVID. Uh, and so, right. and yes. it, yeah. it was easy to yeah. give have faith in them because I've seen their other work for runways. You know, they're doing something new every time in a medium they haven't worked in. Mm. And they and they, they knock right. it out of the park. So I had had no doubt that they could do this with yeah. this. Brilliant. Okay, so so where's the next place that we need audio drama then, Paul? Come on, let's out of the back <laughs> of your annals of your mind. Are we going to have live audio drama on planes instead of a talking <laughs> at the beginning of the safety? We're we gonna have audio drama instead. Where's it gonna I, be? I, I, I want it at the big O Arena in London. <sighs> and just a just a giant audio drama yes. uh, uh as a start as the opener of a concert. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it's just something like that. We need if, I we need it. I want Depeche Mode and The Cure to be have a duo, a uh, 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 giant tour at O Arena, and it starts with a an audio drama using both of their music, which is which I know it sounds like a joke, but to use either of their music oh, in an audio drama is my dream. Wouldn't that be richly wonderful? Yes, make it so, please, world, make it so. No, honestly, I just feel like yes, we do need bigger forums, don't we, for audio drama to shine? And I think when when people find it, they do fall in love, right, very very quickly. Yes. And because there's so many fantastic shows that uh, you know it will take you a good few decades, I think, now to even think about catching up with what's being released. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I love that. And so, yeah, kudos for you for raising the flag in other places because we do navel gaze quite a bit, don't we? We seem to, mm-hmm. as a medium, market to ourselves rather than the wider world. And I think that's still something we need to kind of get better at and unlock. I don't know if you've got any tips for people that you can think of trying uh, for marketing. Uh, not, <laughs> not really. I, there's there's always like, you know, this the, 
it always starts as a as a joke, right? Like <laughs> me uh, throwing out a joke and then someone else taking it seriously. Mm -hmm. Someone else with like a greater imagination than me. Um, there's a place called the Planetarium in Vancouver. We used to mm -hmm. have the Pink Floyd, the wall light show. And the oh. thing was, we'd, we'd you, know, uh, you know, smoke up a little bit and go to the planetarium and watch a laser light show. And you <laughs> lean back and for an hour, the music just transports you. And I tried to get in contact with someone at the planetarium to, to do a big loop show. Oh, and I, I, yes. I wanted so badly to do a more ethereal yeah. uh, episode where we could film it and have people listen to the story. And, oh, yes. you know, and they, they just I well, I didn't talk to the right people. And I, I'm a bit lazy about, uh, uh, you know, socially engaging people that I don't know. Okay, um, okay. But that, but something like that, you know, just, just, I'm sure there's, there's places like this in every city where audio yes. drama can take another stage, like yeah. a physical stage, a gathering. Um, yep. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not creative enough to think of that stage, but someone out there is. Well, you know, let us know. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at Quirky Voices and at Mr. Paul Bay and tell us your ideas and maybe we can all collaborate and make some groovy things happen. <laughs> <laughs> and talking of groovy things, surfacing is actually one of my favourites and you've picked a clip from that, which is very exciting. Uh, this is very much um, a, a voyage into the art of storytelling, I do find. And also the, the use of different language as as well, which I think a lot more podcasts are venturing into these days, um, which I think is glorious because, you know, not the, the whole world doesn't have to speak English all the time. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. So why have you chosen this clip for us today? It's, it's just something that I've always wanted to play with. I, I love episodes of This American Life or I don't know. There's so many shows with, with their, the interviewee has a revelation in the middle of the interview. Um, so I want mm -hmm. I wanted an episode yeah. where the, the, the narrator learn something about her own story while telling the story. Right. So I thought, well, she has to mm. hear someone else tell the story then. And that's how I came up with the, uh, she has a, a, a deaf mother and she has a sign for her. Uh, and then as the mother tells yeah. the story, because it's the mother's story that she's telling, uh, this is the moment where mm. we find out, oh, this is not her story. She's, she's been translating this for somebody else. And there's a different yeah. dynamic going on. Um, yeah. yeah. I love that. And it almost brings into sharp focus the, the, the story itself, doesn't it? Yeah, let's have a listen and, and see how that's revealed. Most divers went under for two, three minutes. My mother? She could be under for four or five minutes. I suppose that's where I got it from. When my mother passed, my father never talked about it. I suppose he wanted me to go to college. But I would have to go away for that. To Tokyo, maybe. Which was another world to me. And maybe some girls would like that. Like my daughter here, Hanaka. Who went all the way to California for school. Um, um, can, we, can we stop for a second? I'm sorry. Everything is here. I can take care of you here. Okay, fine. I I'm sorry, we can, um, maybe we can pick up where we left off. 
After my mother died, the Amas took care of me. They raised me as one of them. I would wait for them at their hut and even help separate the wood for the fire. They would come in from the cold and they would be out there in the freezing ocean for up to four hours and I would have the fire and their tea waiting for them. Ah, oh, isn't it glorious? And it's so, as I say, so nice and wonderful to have other languages. And, you know, I, I kind of revel in that whole thing of not quite understanding what's going on, but trying to really fathom, <laughs> uh, you know, meaning and understanding through just how that uh, dialogue is delivered in that different language. And do you think that's a, a useful thing that we should do more of? Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, as long as it serves the story. Uh, this one totally mm. served the story because it was a, a Japanese myth. Um, that mm. I was sort of creating out of a, a real thing, the, the uh, oyster divers. Yeah. So it's it's just uh, it suited the story. I, I'm just as long as it's not overdone, because um, right. it's, it's I could see I could see certain companies suddenly latching onto it okay. and using it for tokenism. Right. Uh, as long okay. as it's not that, as long as it's central to the story. Mm. Uh, yeah, of course. Then other languages, yeah, bring it to the front. <laughs> yeah, no, I love it, and I think you know folks like the White Volta doing that fantastically well, but yes. also. You know, there's the Ochenta podcast, which I'm absolutely in love with lately. And uh, for example, they're doing dual episodes of podcasts. So I was in one where I played the American grandma and her or American grandson. And uh, then there was an Italian version of exactly the same script. And just listening to <laughs> the difference in the two, right, just for the lilts of language yeah. and performance and vibrancy of, of just the, the passion behind the Italian. I just wish I had more of. Um, yeah. <laughs> but the, I just think that's just so glorious to have those other perspectives as well and so yeah if you do speak more than one language please don't be afraid to podcast in it yeah. <laughs> there's a room there's space we need you <laughs> oh my folks it's finished <laughs> I was just getting into that weren't you um, I'd be very intrigued to find if you prefer these episodes to be split to 40 or 50-ish minutes as they are or like an 80-minute Chaturama episode you can delve into at your leisure uninterrupted but by audio fiction top five picks then do let me know on quirkyvoices at gmail.com I'd love to have any feedback it's what we live for and do ping me your thoughts as well on future guests or topics of choice and discussion you'd love to hear about I'd love, love, love to hear from you and of course, please do send me those top five picks of audio fiction that you love right now. All that your all-time favourites of all time. It's up to you. I just want to share folks' amazing finds so that others may find them too. Woohoo! Oh, go on. And thank you for listening. Hazards to my patrons, I absolutely adore you. And episode two of this Chatterama will be out soon. Or, if you are a Patreon, you could have listened already. You lucky things. Happy creating out there. Bye-bye!